but you will know it cause it's coming on strong that thing that thing that thing with James sit back relax deep breaths no stress let You won't take long, the change will happen soon You will feel something so special growing deep within you That thing, that thing, that thing with James That thing, that thing, that thing with James That's Welcome to That Thing with James J. Asher II. I'm your host, James J. Asher II. I'm waiting for my, my guest to arrive. And uh, so I'm just going to pluck around for a minute. Yeah?
<laughs> All right. Be right back with the guest. Welcome to another episode of That Thing with James J. Asher II. I'm your host. Again, I've already introduced myself. And Emily's, Emily. Emily's here. Uh, it's the only guest I can get a hold of. So, um, so here's the deal. I've, you probably noticed I've not been putting out episodes as frequently as I, uh, usually do. And I'm sorry for that, but I'm also been going totally fucking stir crazy. Like I, it's like full shining. So, uh, yeah. And also I, I, we recorded an episode a few days ago. This is Sunday today. I'm going to release it what, like Wednesday or Tuesday or something. But it's Sunday the... Uh, what is today? The 6th. September 6th. Tomorrow is Labor Day. Uh, so, yeah. Well, anyway, I recorded a podcast four days ago, I believe. And upon further... Uh, inspection. We decided to not put it out. Um, why? It was a little too spicy. How? Uh, the topic. It, it got dark. What was the topic? It had to do with a presidency. Not just... It, it had to do with my presidency. It's not just about the darn Cheeto... It's not just about that. What was the topic about? Poverty, wealth disparity. It was about me running for president. I declared my run for presidency and I got fucking canceled before I even got to, you know, get publicly canceled. It's true. What do you have to say for yourself? You robbed these people of an extra episode. Sorry about it. Now you get a new one. Now you get a new one. And you've also got a, a secret episode that I might use to, like, extort money out of you if you really want to see it. So uh, here's a little recap. I'm not going to get fully into it, but they deserve to know a little bit. Okay. Um, WAP for cap. Yep. I, I, that, that was my platform, WAP for CAP, um, which is, uh, you know, I'm running for presidency 2020. You can look for me on the ballot still. Um, although my, my ads have been canceled, unfortunately, uh, WAP for CAP. What does WAP mean? Wet ass pussy. Yes. Wet ass pussy. Like the song by uh, The Stallion. What's her name? Megan The Stallion. Megan The Stallion and um, Cardi, Cardi B. Cardi B. Um, get a mop and a bucket for this wet-ass pussy. Well, I've got a WAP to cap. My my presidential platform is... Well, it, it's in the secret episode, if you ever get to see it. But essentially, uh, it's the most honest and straightforward... Yet at the same time, progressive. Let me scoot in a little further here. There you go. Um, it's the most progressive platform uh, in that it's total equality 
Uh, it doesn't matter your age, your religion, the color of your skin, um, your your heritage. Did I already say your religion? Yeah. Your religion, um, your gender, your sexual preferences. None of that stuff matters. It is purely a class-based um, progressive um, platform, a progressive policy to cap, K-A-P, kill all poor. Because essentially, come on, what, what does what does any rich fuck that pushes any rich fuck policy want? More, More rich. Money. What's gentrification out? To push out poor, to push out undesirables, right? True. So, um, so there's that, all right? You know, bailing out, uh, not only just bailing out, uh, like, Wall Street executives, but even fucking rewarding them, allowing them to get paid fucking bonuses uh, with zero, zero accountability or repercussion, like in the 2008 um, recession, why are they calling it recessions? At what point does it become a depression? I don't know. Because right it now, has to be a real bad recession. But the thing is, like, we're in a recession right now, and, like, the number of jobs is, isn't it, like, equal to what it was in the Great Depression? I believe so. So why isn't this called a depression? On top of a fucking pandemic. Is it just more fucking mincing of words to make it sound okay? Probably. It'll probably be referred to as a depression later on. Yeah, in like 80 years, maybe. maybe. I'd give it 20. If we're still around. Yeah. Which comes back to my very progressive uh, platform, uh, which is it, it tackles suffering in general, but also the, uh, the forthcoming climate disaster. Who knows how much longer we have, but we don't have much longer. And the way things are looking right now, we're not anywhere near getting zero emissions, total renewable energy, because uh, the planet, like the, the population of the planet is being fucking held hostage by um, uh, corporatist, capitalist, neoliberal, neoconservative fuckers, just rich folk that, you know, they'll be fine. It's the poor people. It's the people who can't afford to, you know, invent some new fucking bunker to survive a, uh, you know, fallout type situation. Um, you know, we're all going to suffer. So part of my whap for cap, wet ass pussy for uh, killing all poor is to end the suffering. So basically it was a progressive policy of... Um, Mind you, this was all joke. This is none. This was all satire. I don't believe any of this shit. It's used the WAP for CAP idea. Uh, let's talk meta talk right now. The WAP for CAP idea is simply a. Um, I, I can't. It's not. It's not allegory. It's not metaphor. But it is a sort of uh, using poetic license as a. Uh, a narrative to talk about uh, the reality of the situation we're in right now. Does that yeah. sound fair? Yeah. So it was basically, you know, um, if, a, if a president, hypothetically, and again, this is satire, this is the satirical idea, it's, it's of the ilk of that 
um, one fucking guy who wrote, um, I have a solution for England. Eat the children. Eat the poor. Do you remember that? Yeah. There, like, he did a whole fucking troll thing on, like, eat the poor. Who who did that? I'm looking this up. You talk while I look this up. Sorry, I'm popping my back. <laughs> talk. I'm trying Dead to... air. I'm... Just say. Just say talk, talk, talk. Dead air. Just talking away. Talk. I am talking. Did you see that someone graffitied hit or high over there? That's pretty weird. What? Over there. It says high or hit. Where? I'm not sure. It's like catty corner from us right now. On what surface is it painted on? I don't know. It looks like cement. It's blue and white. Okay, here it is. The modest, a modest proposal by Jonathan Swift. For any audience members who are not familiar with this, let's read the wiki about it. A modest proposal for preventing the children of poor people from being a burden to their parents or country and for making them beneficial to the public, commonly referred to as a modest proposal, is a juvenile satirical essay written and published anonymously by Jonathan Swift in 1729. The essay suggests that the impoverished Irish might ease the economic troubles or their economic troubles by selling their children as food to rich gentlemen and ladies. This satirical hyperbole mocked heartless attitudes towards the poor as well as British policy towards the Irish in general. Uh, in English writing, the phrase, quote, a modest proposal, end quote, is now conventionally an allusion, allusion, not illusion, allusion to uh, this style of straight-faced satire. So my WAP for Cap bit is just that. It is a modest proposal. It is juvenile, absolutely, but it is straight-faced satire saying... Wait, I'm going to read that. Well, I just closed it out. What did you want to read? What a juvenilian. Juvenilian means like using stupid, childish humor yeah. to make a serious grown-up point. Yeah. That's juvenilian. Okay. Yeah. Because it's based on juvenile, right? Yeah. I, so, I was like, the word looks like juvenile. So, WAP for CAP... I consider a modest proposal. I consider it a juvenilian uh, satire in that it's I've got a wet ass pussy to kill all poor. That's that's the idea. Um, and so the premise was that um, as president, I guaranteed to end your suffering. I would guarantee to end your suffering um, by killing you, but only if you are poorer than me. And my metric for poor is essentially how much wealth you have. Um, and if your wealth is tied up in assets, I would, whatever, liquidate those assets, melt, smelt them into uh, bullions of wealth, you know. Um, and so you got to start with the homeless because I'm already pretty fucking poor. Uh, and, and the idea was, you know, relieve them. Here's, I think here's part of where the problem came in. You know how we say recession instead of depression? I think perhaps 
the problem with the last episode, but the proposal, the way it was proposed, is simply a matter of language. So what if instead of I, what if instead of saying uh, I, I would as president kill the homeless? What if it was um, relieve them of suffering? See that works better. Like the de- the Homeland Security or Department of Defense is the War Department. It was called the War Department until like the 40s. You know yeah. that? I mean, it's all about rephrasing things and making it sound better than what it actually is. Like 1984. Yep. New speak. Yep. So, okay. So the, the premise was like, I, I'm already uh, not very wealthy. So... It, uh, you know, relieve those who are less wealthy than me of their suffering and acquire their wealth. And that would bump me up to another level of wealth, right? Yes. And then that would also put my wealth above other people, you know? And I'm just going to, what I'm going to do with all the wealth that I acquire from, uh, again, this is just, playing out the premise of the satirical juvenilian premise of WAP for cap, wet ass pussy for kill all poor. Um, if, if I were to acquire the wealth, um, what I would do with it is just hoard it. I would just hoard it all. Well, I just keep it all for myself. Do. When you, when you have so much money, that's all you really can do with it. There's only so much that you can spend. I disagree. I think you could use money if if you were so inclined. Uh, if you do have billions of dollars, perhaps you could use it to out-lobby lobbyists to short-circuit uh, the vicious cycle of lobbying for neoliberal policies. That is, lobbying against any type of socialist policies that would benefit everyone. Uh, I would lobby to... One could use their billions of dollars to out-lobby, to outbid other lobbyists, to force, um, say, let's go specifically, to force the outright ban, abolition of something like Citizens United. You know? Yeah. Or to do something like what Jeremy Corbyn was trying to do in England, which is essentially um, get in policies that, you know, that would work if implemented to basically bump out the uh, hierarchical hierarchical um, establishment of most workplaces and replace them with workers-owned cooperatives. So basically... Um, lobby into reality um, bills that could or that would allow workers to own the means of production, workers to not be exploited, you know, and that's a whole other fucking thing. But but instead of doing that, um, hoard it, hoard it all, because that's the only way you become a billionaire is by taking other people's money and hoarding it for yourself, period. No one. No one can do enough work to get a billion dollars. Not even Tyler Perry. Even if he was homeless, the way he got fucking a billion dollars is by, well, you could over time uh, get a billion dollars worth of revenue 
However, how many people are working under your employee? Because he's got his own production company, studios, etc. He owns that means of production, of producing films. Yeah. yeah. So he has hundreds, thousands of people working for him to make those films. He does not do every single thing by himself, does he? Definitely not. And so all the money, uh, it's just uh, unequal. Uh, he gets paid for... He, he gets more money for the work that someone else does. This is not a fucking lesson on a critique of capitalism, people. This is just saying, essentially, doing what's what people are already doing. Uh, decision makers, uh, you know, people in, in major leadership positions. Uh, they're holding on to the money. So... My way, or, or the WAP for CAP program, would be to, you know, relieve anyone of their suffering, acquire their wealth, wholesale, and uh, all, to, all to myself as, as president, and then uh, and that would bump me up, and then just keep that process going and going and going, because, one, it's ending people's suffering, because they're living in, in debt and, you know, just terrible fucking conditions all over the world. Plus, climate change, that's not going to end anytime soon. So why not end people suffering before they have to live like 80 years sweating and burning alive on the earth? It's a blessing. I think it was a gracious proposal, don't you? No. Well, eventually the thing is, like, you know, rich just want to get rid of all the poor. Push out all the poor and then just have like, uh, you know, um, um, country club earth, you know? I think that they would try to take each other out, theoretically. Well, eventually they would try to take each other out because they would be out of slaves. Yeah. Um, and they has got to work. And they would be out of slaves to build uh, automation, automated machines and AI to do the work for them, right? Sure. Because they're not going to build the fucking AI and, and machines themselves. No. Um, fucking Elon Musk is not a scientist. He's not an engineer. He's a fucking businessman. He's a fucking marketer. People, like, jizz themselves over Elon Musk. The guy is not a genius. No. And he's not a science guy. Period. Hate to break it to you. I hope I lost subscribers over this. Because... <laughs> I don't know. All it takes is a quick search, and you'll figure that one out. Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, yeah, they would eventually try to take each other out. But the thing is, with the WAP for CAP program... Um, I will have the, not just the wealth, but the hearts and souls of all those who were suffering, whom I relieved of their suffering. Um, and then eventually, uh, I mean, it would come down to like, you know, standoff between the, uh, 18 most rich people in the world who together right now own more money than the bottom 50% of, the entire Earth's population in terms of wealth. Um, it'd come down to a showdown, but I think uh, with the the faith and modesty and common sense of the WAP for CAP program, um, I think I could be the last man standing. So that's essentially uh, the WAP for CAP program that, that's in the last episode, but it's presented in a, a much more... Um, acted out way <laughs> it's the clean and friendly the last one was a little 4chan -y. 
I was a little worried about people getting forechanned on it. I did. I did bust out my big ass Bowie knife. Yeah. Audio listeners, you you, you know, you, you could hear it. You could hear the big dick energy of my Bowie knife when I took it out of its leather sheath. <laughs> yeah, that happened. So, uh, so yeah, that's a secret episode. Um, if you're interested in something, I'm not going to put it on YouTube because, uh, the content of it, I mean, it's funny. It's really fucking funny. And I wore a top hat and a frilly shirt, but, um, maybe not something I should put on just like YouTube. No. Yeah. So yeah, there's a missing episode. I mean, I think it's a good thing. There are a lot of mm, questionable people out there, and we wouldn't want them to start legitimately thinking these things. Although I did say throughout the thing that it was satire. Yeah, I don't think that they're going to care. See, that's the thing. You can tell anybody. People are so, oh my God, I get so pissed off. Uh, uh, It's Facebook. It's Facebook mostly. I get people who get all fucking huffy and pissy with me saying like, oh, you're just helping Trump. How dare you got to be happy with Biden. You got to be happy. You got to love it. Ah! Ah, are you one of those noble non-voters? Ah! And it's like people cannot fucking tell parody and satire when it hits them in the face. They also don't understand that criticism doesn't mean that you're just going to bounce out yes. of a situation. You're allowed to be critical of things. It's oh. just life. That's life. You don't have to love every second of everything that's given to you. And just because I see that I'm being handed a shit sandwich doesn't mean that I can't acknowledge that I'm being handed a shit sandwich. And I think it's critical to criticize, to bring up the actual... Uh, you know, criticisms, the things that you can criticize, because without that, we'd never face the problems that we keep running into over and over and over. The reason we got here where we are right now is the way I view it is like an alcoholic hitting rock bottom. You or or any kind of addictive personality can end up hitting rock bottom. And the reason that happens is because of a couple things. Well, uh, one thing, really, it all comes down to um, the, the, the choices you make. And one of the choices people who end up hitting rock bottom often make are continuing to believe in the, the narrative that they create for themselves, right? Yeah. Just keep telling yourself, this is who I am. This is how I am. This is how the world is over and over and over and you keep making problems like oh i'm not the problem you're the problem when like you're the drunk who's you know punching fucking holes in the wall and getting cops called on you all the time i also think that a big issue are the lies that parents tell children when they're little like you can do anything you you know you set your mind to it you can do it but that's not realistic There's only so much that a human being can do. And when you think that anything is possible, you're going to, you're going to have a bad time. You're going to be let down. Yeah. 
Well, I'd say, um, I mean, it goes a lot further than the United States. But as far as the United States, I would say we're at rock bottom right now. Yes, but we'll see. I mean, for for addicts and the United States, there could be a lower rock bottom that we haven't seen yet. Well, there's always a lower rock bottom, yeah. and that ends with uh, death. They're going to be a little lower. Yeah, it could be. L- living without the WAP for GAP program, which will end your suffering. <laughs> um, so, but when you're at rock bottom... The way to get out of rock bottom is you really have to face your real behavior, face your shortcomings, face the your behavior, and uh, and and um, maybe face things that led you to have that kind of behavior. Face your traumas. Yeah. Face your traumas that end up leading you to perpetuate trauma in your own life, right? Mm-hmm. And that is uncomfortable. But that's the way to get out of rock bottom is to recognize how you got there in the first place. And that's basically just a a bunch of shit working out of uh, trauma and fear. Right? Yes. So, I say, when I criticize Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, I'm not saying vote for Trump. I'm saying... You need to fucking acknowledge those things. And you also need to fucking acknowledge why Trump is so popular or or, or why any of those types of, um, you know, libertarian, uh, libertarian nutbags um, and Republicans are not the only libertarians and not just libertarians. The fucking Democrats are basically libertarians just with moderate uh, democrats or republicans moderate democrats are republicans yes um so if we do not criticize and fully understand why we ended up where we are right now why trump became so popular and elected and it was not I'm sure, yeah, maybe. I can uh, I can flirt with the idea that, sure, yeah, Russia may do some, try to do some stuff, but did Russia um, write fucking racism into our constitution? No. Did Russia make people racist in general? Did Russia keep the electoral college? Did Russia keep the electoral college? Did Russia cause the ever-growing fucking wage gap in this country? No, 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 no. The whole Russia thing is just a fucking scapegoat to avoid um, criticizing our leadership, be it Republican and Democrat, together. Yeah. Because they are both the ones. Two-party system is flawed. Yeah. Well, we've got a one-party system, really. Yeah, it's true. Um, So... But if you really, really, really want things to get better without having to have a sort of come to Jesus moment with yourself as a country or as an individual, um, vote for the WAP for CAP program. We'll be right. And we're back. Uh, Content. What the fuck to talk about. I don't really know what the fuck to talk about just because I... This is part of the problem. I don't. I don't know what to talk about. <laughs> what should we talk about? <clears throat> the thing I just did. Probably. Okay. 
So I was looking at, first I was looking at um, Wikipedia for, for Labor Day, since we're recording on Labor Day weekend, um, tomorrow's Labor Day, although once this episode is released, it'll be after Labor Day, but not, not long. Um, but I'm not sure I want to get into that. But I did, I had a great teacher in high school, Mr. Thompson. Thank you. You fucking rock. Um, we didn't use textbooks, period, because he rightfully believed that textbooks were inaccurate, especially history textbooks. Yeah. Um, and I think I talked about this on the unreleased, the secret episode, wink, um, about how I can't think of the name of the company, but I know everyone watching the show would recognize this, this company that makes these textbooks. It's like McKesson and something like that. Um, it's a Texas company. I think I know for sure there's one, but I think there might be a few, um, Texas based textbook companies that have a monopoly on public on textbooks used in public schools throughout the United States, throughout all 50 States. And these things are highly, highly propagandized um, by like conservative libertarian types that, you know, there's a lot of in Texas. Um, and a lot of that stuff leans toward benefiting those who already have and further exploiting those who have not. That's another conversation. But my history teacher in high school, he, he would just do lectures. He taught it like a college class. He had actual like history books, not textbooks, but actual history books like you would see in any college history class. Um, and he would lecture and we would take notes. And we never had any tests or pop quizzes other than a midterm and a final which we would do in a blue book. Oh, yeah. We did blue book um, tests. We do an in-class essay and do essay answers to a few different questions, of which you select like three out of five questions. You write a few paragraphs and answer, and then you write a however many hundred plus word essay on, um, on a topic of your choosing from like three different subjects that we covered um so not only was he like really teaching us history but also preparing us for college which i mean in teaching you critical thinking and teaching us critical thinking uh so again mr thompson you fucking rock thank you uh, but one of the things he taught us that i don't imagine you get covered in your average um, history class, if it's taught from a textbook, is labor laws and why Labor Day exists. Do you know the history of all that stuff? No. So basically, um, there were monopolies and zero labor laws. So children, uh, and, and this was also a huge product of um, industrialization, uh, factory working and stuff. There were no limit on hours uh, to work, and there was no limit. There was no such thing as a minimum wage. 
there were no such things as overtime. Um, and there were no such things as like working age. Children worked. You would get pennies. You would work in terrible conditions. There was like no OSHA standards. There were rats. Like people would find like consumers would get like a can of tomatoes and there would be a rat in it. Yeah, I remember hearing about that. And that's real shit you were about to say. I remember reading about those sort of terrible conditions back mm. in the day. A- an- another little thing that came from like labor laws is doors, door hinges, what ways doors should open. So if you ever notice, if you go to a person's house, the door opens inward, in toward the house, right? Mm-hmm. But if you go to, say, a, a movie theater or a public school, the doors don't open toward the interior. They open outward, right? Out to the outside, outside of the building. That's because the amount of fires that would happen in these factories where uh, men, women, and children by the hundreds would get just burned alive because they were stuck because the doors didn't open outward. They opened toward the interior of the building. And when so many people, dozens of people are bum rushing the doors to get to a fire, it's like Black Friday, but the door won't fucking open because you basically jammed it shut with all your bodies trying to escape the fire. You all burn alive. So child labor laws were invented because of labor unions, labor activists, men, all of which were, most importantly, socialists. This stuff came about when socialism was growing really hot um, in the United States. It was growing really hot in a lot of the European world uh, through the 20s. You know, there's the uh, 1918, I think that was the revolution in Russia, right? Maybe, I'm not 100% sure, but I know for sure that in the 20s and especially in the 30s, um, oddly enough, around the time of the Great Depression, oddly enough, we're facing, we're in a pandemic and a depression right now. And it seems that socialism's becoming quite popular again. Yep, it usually is when there are pandemics going on. Or just massive... Wealth disparity, yeah. uh, uh, h- lack of uh, humanity and empathy, you know, shitty living conditions, so on and so forth. Well, socialist organizers such as Big Bill Hay- Haywood, Hayworth, Haywood, Big Bill Haywood, uh, he was a union guy, and I've talked about him before on this show, Eugene V. Debs, and I love this quote. While there is a lower class, I am in it. While there is a criminal element, I am of it. And while there is a soul in prison, I am not free. Socialist. Labor rights. Rights for you as a worker, a working person. You who don't get paid the your fucking worth. Like, when people say, I want to get paid... Uh, you know, I want to get paid my worth. That doesn't fucking exist in capitalism, at least, because it is inherently uh, built into the uh, equation of uh, how a workplace is set up within a capitalist economy. Like the equation is set up where 
your boss always takes more money than that boss themselves generates. So you create so much labor. Uh, look up. Um, I can't. I, this might have to be another episode to you know really pare down the inherent contradiction in capitalism. You know uh, the problem with it. The reason it doesn't work. Period again and again and again, collapses every seven years or so. The reason it doesn't work is because of the inherent way that it's set up. And if you want someone to really help explain that to you in a very easy to understand and digestible way, um, go to YouTube and look up Richard D, letter D, Wolf, W-O-L-F-F, Richard D. Wolf. He has a lot of lectures and other videos where he writes out a very simple equation on basically how capitalism works and why it doesn't work. <laughs> but anyway, um, there were a lot of people who understood that this didn't work and who understood that it also led to terrible life conditions and terrible working conditions. And so they unionized. They did wildcat protests. Do you know what the difference between a wildcat protest is and a regular or uh, a regular strike wildcat strike versus a regular strike what? wildcat strike is done without a union and it's like technically illegal technically it's like against the law but it's when a bunch of workers just say fuck you we're not doing this anymore and go on strike and make demands and stay on strike until those demands are met yeah, it makes sense super simplified that's how we ended up with an eight-hour workday. So we ended up with weekends. That's how we ended up with overtime pay. Um, that's how we ended up with minimum wage, the whole idea of minimum wage. That's how we ended up with Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid. All this shit is socialist. This is all workers who got together the word is called solidarity and fought for a single cause and that's why we have labor day and uh and it's totally fucking um violated and bastardized by your lovely labor day sales and the fact that <laughs> there's still people laboring on there's, labor day there's still people laboring on labor day there's still people working more than 40 hours a week there are still people who don't get weekends you know my first weekend it's her why is it your first weekend i got an office job she got an office job and now she has weekends it's a weird thing weird times and nights to yourself oh yeah nights too well that was a bit of a tangent that's not what i what we were gonna talk about <laughs> i thought you were talking about reddit <laughs> yeah yeah i was just on reddit i was like mm, what if i go to ask reddit and look for some content and I saw an ask Reddit about like, what is the most um, overrated book you've ever read? What's the most overrated book you've ever read? I was going to say one that I've only read like two pages of. Wh which is? War and Peace. War and Peace. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't a fan. <laughs> was it just like boring and too? I, I wanted to go to sleep. Just long winded? <laughs> yeah. You know why, like, stuff like War and Peace or any kind of, like, Charles Dickens books, do you know why they're so fucking long and wordy? 
Because they got paid by the word? Because, yeah, because they got paid by the word. <laughs> I would be long and wordy, too, at that point. <laughs> and, it, and at least for, like, Charles Dickens and a lot of his contemporaries, um, they didn't, they weren't publishing just books. They were publishing, basically, episodics uh, in the newspaper. Like, a, a new chapter would come out every week in the newspaper. Yeah. And since a lot of people didn't know how to read... Um, in in London, there were some people who were literate, who like uh, a neighborhood or a building would hire this person, and they'd all gather the gather together, and this person would read the stories to them. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'd what like cheers? that job. Um, most overrated book I've ever read. I don't think. I don't think i have a overrated book that i've read just because i have great taste in literature how's finnegan's wake going fuck you (laughs) okay finnegan's wake is impenetrable and i i wanted to read it and uh, i bought it for him yeah and you won't you won't let me forget that either nope um and uh yeah, if if you want to if you want to like get really frustrated and hate yourself to like read some highly controversial classic literature, read Finnegan's Wake by James Joyce. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I've tried to get it. I'm like still on page 90 for the past 5 years. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a minute. Um But there was, uh, when I was reading the comments on this post on Ask Reddit, um, that was the question is, what's the most overrated book you've ever read? And one of the commenters said, the number of people saying Catcher in the Rye in this thread is disturbing to me. I think they missed the point. And so a commenter below that said, what is the point? I'm not being facetious, um, but could you please, like, enlighten me? What's the point of Catcher in the Rye? What's the point of Catcher in the Rye? Is it just about some, like, edgy teen? No. Some, like, teenage edgelord in the 40s? (laughs) You phony! No, but that would be kind of hilarious (laughs) it's like just some 4chan kid yeah he's like I hate everything I'm so mad dude Holden Caulfield in the 21st century would just be fucking flame war he'd be a troll he'd be a a total troll he would definitely be a troll (laughs) but okay so what's the point of the book though enlighten me what you had the better answer for it I want to hear yours first I know no. I have a superior answer, no. so I want to hear yours first so I look better. No. What is it? No comments. You got to tell it. I speak nothing. You have to say I, it. I don't speak the English. What's the... All right. When you read the book, what did you get from it? What did you take away from it when you read it? I mean, I got that it's alienating... The alienation of the human experience is what I got from it. You want to unpack that? No. That's a phrase I learned in grad school. Can you unpack that for me? Well, I just think that there are all of these questions that are being posed that he's asking, you know, and they sound silly, but when you look at it, 
each of those questions implies like a thought of a greater thought to it. There's more going on than just his whiny, bitchy bullshit. Being a whiny, edgelord teenager calling everyone a phony. Yeah. <laughs> You're a phony. You're a phony. Uh, what I took, my response to the person on Reddit was essentially, uh, it's basically uh, an existentialist question. The whole work is an existentialist question. And that's what J.D. Salinger, the writer of Catcher in the Rye, does with, like, at least all of the stories that I've read of his. They all pose existentialist questions that he himself asks through the characters. So in the case of Catcher in the Rye, he is speaking and looking through the teenage character of Holden Caulfield, who is recalling um, this wild week or few days he had before eventually uh, getting committed to a um, mental health hospital after having a massive nervous breakdown. And basically, uh, he it's existentialist in that Holden Caulfield is kind of he, he, he's having like a sort of a moment of clarity, so to speak, where he begins to see the utter um, vapidness and meaninglessness of the world he finds himself in, be it um, television shows, um, reasons to do anything, reasons to go to a job, uh, um questioning the airs people put on to obscure, to hide the sadness and suffering they may be feeling. You know, people wear masks in different situations, right? Yes. People put on different masks to deal with different situations. Um, but Holden was trying to peer behind that mask. And basically, he was just looking for meaning to his existence. He was looking for meaning in realizing that it could not be found in popular and traditional culture, be it in um, in terms of like the, the United States, popular religion, TV shows, jobs, prescribed lives, you know, get a job, go to school, get a job, have a family, die. You know, he saw that as unsettling and it didn't make him feel good. And so that's basically what it's about as it's an existentialist question. And he does that also. Did you ever read Franny and Zoe? No, you've read me excerpts. Franny and Zoe is another um, J.D. Salinger book. It's a brother and a sister, Franny and Zoe. And I think they... They're part of a, a broader family that he kind of always comes back to. The Glass family. Franny and Zoe Glass. Um, these, This is a recurring characters that Salinger uses in his stories. But Franny and Zoe is a book put together. It uh, starts out with Franny, the sister. Um, and that one's a short story. She has a nervous breakdown. Um, trying, trying to find 
uh, realizing that um, everything that she's been told is not 100% true and that her life lacks meaning and she wants meaning. And then that short story is followed by a novella called Zoe, Zoe Glass. And Zoe's a boy. It's Franny's brother. Um, he's a like a failed actor. Um, and he's also having a sort of a nervous breakdown moment as well, trying again to find meaning in his life. So for the people who say Catcher in the Rye sucks and it's just about some like teenage edgelord, um, you're a phony. <laughs> What's a book that you want to read? Uh, the ones that I fucking got that I just with my fucking pandemic quarantine brain of not being able to pick up. I want to continue reading um, Capital Volume 1 and I want to pick up that book that I bought on uh, John Brown. Yeah. Yeah. That's two books I want to read. And I've also been trying to read this. I have been picking away at this uh, Kurt Vonnegut book, Galapagos. This is the first Vonnegut book that I've just not been able to get into. Yeah. I mean, you can like an author and not like everything that they make. No. You have to like literally everything that someone does if you like the person. False. You can support them with some of their works and not all of it. Look, if 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 you have any criticisms of Joe Biden, then you're only helping Trump. Oh, you're gonna you're still gonna vote for Biden, but you're gonna criticize him? You're helping Trump. You're the problem. You gonna ask me what book I wanna read? I guess. What book do you wanna read? I wanna read I'm thinking of ending things. What is that? Is it, that a suicide book? I'm not sure. I'm thinking it of ending like things. It is. But everybody keeps talking about it. It turned into a TV show, and I want to read the book first. Who's the author? Or a movie. Who's the author? I don't know. I'm thinking of ending things. Sounds like suicide to me. It probably is. It's probably going to put me in a mood. And honestly... I heard it had a very... It's very weird and out there. Well, if you're thinking of ending things, don't. Because relief is coming soon with my WAP for CAP program. Vote. Wet Ass Pussy 2020. Thanks for tuning in. You got anything else you want to say? No. Uh, if you haven't already, please subscribe to this show. Uh, to those of you who are returning to the show, thank you for doing so. Um, share the show with your friends, family, loved ones, and strangers. Every, it's, it's fun for everyone. And uh, it, for those of you, too. My donors at Patreon, thank you so much. You guys rock. Um, and thank you for still sticking with me, even though I've been uh, not getting the, the, the content, grinding the content out quite as much lately. Uh, just been dealing with my own kind of nervous breakdown. Um, and if you want, if you're able to, please support the show. Uh, Patreon.com slash that thing with James. Uh, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter. My handle is at James J. Asher. And thank you for tuning in. Bye. Bye. It's lasagna time. <laughs> <laughs>